What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Mind Your Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Shelton. Today's episode is brought to you by us. And who are we? Well, we're Cave Social. Cave Social is a marketing agency based out of LA that can help you grow online, particularly with social media. So if you're feeling stuck with social media, head over to cavesocial.com, hit that contact us. We'd be happy to help you out. All right. On today's episode, I am sitting with Soren Godberson. He is the Chief Growth Officer at Equity Multiple. It's a cool conversation. We just get into you know how him and his team created a brand really in a space that didn't exist and what those challenges look like. Then we also talk a lot about attribution and how to look at your entire funnel and how to actually make attribution models. If you're looking at creating a new brand, you're being tasked with attribution, how to think about it. This is definitely the episode for you. All right, I'm gonna sit back. You should relax. Let's get into this episode. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Mind Your Marketing Podcast. Today, I am welcoming Soren Godberson to the show. He is the CGO, Chief Growth Officer at Equity Multiple. Soren, how you doing? Doing great, man. How are you, Jordan? I am doing well. I'm excited to get into it. I know we had a good little talk before we press record, so we got a lot of topics coming up. But before we get into that, give us your backstory, man. How did you find your way to uh, Chief Growth Officer at Equity Multiple? Yeah, happy to. And first of all, delighted to be here and talking with you. Really looking forward to this. I got into marketing in the first place because I didn't know what else to do. I graduated from college sort of as the recession was kicking into high gear after the financial collapse, 2008 or so. And, um, you know, I graduated from a liberal arts college, so I had no marketable skills at that point. Started doing heavy database analysis, a lot of SQL work for a Microsoft vendor in the Seattle area, and really you know, fell in love with some aspects of that job with working with data. But I've always considered myself a fairly creative person. I love design, uh, sort of the psychology of what compels people as far as responding to the digital assets. So from there, I worked for a big data feed marketing company doing e-commerce agency work, basically, and pivoted eventually into doing product marketing for Commerce Hub, which is one of the leaders in that space. And I really got a feel for presenting the core value of a company to a fairly nuanced audience, choosing between fairly involved and fairly expensive solutions. But I still wasn't super satisfied at that point because I felt like I didn't have a whole lot of ownership of the narrative of the story. And at that point, a, uh, a good friend of mine came to me and said, hey, I don't know anything about marketing. I'm starting this company in this new space. We're going to try to help individual investors get access to commercial real estate. And you know, I said to myself, I don't know a whole lot about commercial real estate, but this is a good friend of mine. I believe in his intellectual firepower and what the heck, I'll give it a go. So that's how I got to Equity Multiple in the first place. And really, I came in as the guy who was going to grow our investor base. I was going to go out and acquire customers and I was going to leverage some of the skills I built up over the years as far as cause and effect in marketing and performance marketing, just the nitty gritty in the weeds of managing ad campaigns and getting my hands dirty in ad platforms. And I really didn't know where it was going to go. But lo and behold, we ended up carving out some space for us in an emerging industry and the company started growing rapidly. I really discovered that the challenge of developing a brand really from scratch in an industry that, that was totally new 
was a very exciting challenge. And a big component, or at least an interrelated component of growing a company was growing that marketing team and building belief in what we were doing as a, as a growing organization. So that's sort of how I got into a leadership position at Equity Multiple. And, you know, one day the CEO and, and co-founder said to me, hey, do you want to join us in the C-suite and make this official? And that's sort of how I got to where I am right now. Unreal. I want to talk particularly, right, about going in to not only create a new brand, but really you're in this emerging new, you know, it's a new market, a new industry almost, right? Well, it's an existing industry in commercial real estate, but it's really a new approach on that industry. And I want to talk about your mindset in 2021, when we're recording this, the idea of having like, hey, we have this platform. And if you're a credit investor, you can come in and you can invest. It's like, okay, cool. But five years ago, you know, people weren't, they weren't as adopting to these ideas. It was very new and fresh, right? So I want to know when you are going from zero to one, as Peter Thiel talks it about really creating that new space alongside with creating a brand in that space, what were the priorities? Was it like, just get more investors? Was it education, like about the process? Like, where did you, you know, you come in, you sign up, it's your buddy, you believe in him or her, you believe in the message. You're like, all right, I'm ready to go. Like I'm ready to rock and roll. Okay. Where do you point the gun, so to speak, to, to start or point the car to start driving towards? Yeah, absolutely. Um, th I think there are, there are a couple of big components to that. You're absolutely right. It, it was a new concept. People have historically thought, or at least individual investors have historically thought about accessing commercial real estate through REITs, real estate investment trusts, which is really not quite what we're offering. We are saying, hey, you individual investor, Joe investor, you can participate in a mixed use space in, in Houston. You know, you're going to see that come to fruition and have the satisfaction of investing in this really tangible sense in a distinct property. And you know, sort of in parallel with that, you can realize some very outsized returns potentially. I've had to train myself to say potentially because we're in such a heavily regulated space. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, so in, in other words, it's, it's a new concept. It's a, it's a method of diversifying for investors. But to your point, you really have to earn trust in a vacuum from zero. You have to um, not only convince a prospective investor that your company is a real one and you're not just going to go off to the Cayman Islands with their money, but also that the overall concept investing in a distinct commercial real estate property, maybe the, you know, several states away or the entire country away is a good idea. So you mentioned the word education. That was a pillar of my strategy from the outset and really took a significant leap of faith and, and took some overcoming of, of objections to get there. I remember being in a meeting with the three or four other people at the company because it was very early on at that point. This is probably late 2015, early 2016 and saying, hey, we're going to have a blog. We're going to put out thought leadership material. We're going to put out articles. And you know, hopefully that has some SEO value and we're actually attracting quality traffic and finding prospective investors and using that as an acquisition channel. But moreover, you know, for those prospective investors that enter, enter our orbit, we really need to educate them on what the, what the potential is here and help them overcome their fears or their objections as far as taking taking that leap of faith and making their first investment with us. You know, I think everyone looked at me and said, blog, you know, that's that's child's play. What are we doing with that? But, you know, I found that that's been a really lasting pillar of our customer acquisition strategy. And it's been an area where we've really been able to provide value to investors 
And I think that's something we hear over and over again in our discussions with our customers. You know, you guys are very active in putting out material that is objective in nature and, and really helps me understand not only what's going on in real estate markets, but some of the finer points of the investments that you offer versus, you know, what I might be able to get elsewhere in the alternative investing landscape. So again, education has always been a big part of it. And, and that was part of my initial strategy. And I think part of the strategy from the outset was what I picked up from a book that I read around then uh, called Traction. I don't know if you've read that one. It's by the CEO and founder of DuckDuckGo. And basically the thesis of that book. I haven't read it, but it's been, been referred for sure. Yeah. But sorry, continue. continue. Yeah, yeah, I recommend it. I'll, I'll put in a, a quick plug for that one. And basically the whole thesis of that book is when you're starting up and you have no idea how to, and you have a great concept, you feel like you, you've identified the product market fit and you're going to make a go of it and you've got some budget to deploy, but probably not a whole lot. What do you do? What is your go-to-market strategy with respect to a portfolio of customer acquisition channels? And the thesis is just kind of throw some crap at the wall and see what sticks. And it's sort of a version of, I think Seth Godin said it, it's, it's more expensive to do nothing than it is to be wrong. And that is especially true when you're trying to establish what works as far as a, a customer acquisition strategy. Early on, I had- It's to, huge, huge, right? It's huge, yeah. I want to jump in for one sec, just to talk about the education in a blog. And for people who are listening and maybe thinking like, oh, a blog's a lot of effort and I have to put out content all the time. It is a lot of effort to build out any content channel, podcast, blog, YouTube, whatever, but it's also highly defensible and working for you like long after you hit publish. So I think that is something, you know, you mentioned the SEO value, but somebody as an investor could read your article at two in the morning across the country and start to grow one step further towards becoming a, you know, a customer at equity multiple. And I think that that part and that value of content creation is still, I think in grand scope of the internet, I read James Clear yesterday. He said, you know, the internet's in its second inning, right? Like we're not anywhere near the end of the game. Oh, like yeah. it's still, you can still get in and create a blog or any content. So I just wanted to add that little bit of color in because I think it's important for any listener who's thinking like, how would I, is I'm too late to the game or whatever it mm -hmm. might be that definitely can still get in and make a difference. 100% agree, Jordan. Yeah. And I guess to play off of that further, you know, you put out a display ad, you pay for it. Hopefully it has the desired effect, but then it disappears forever. If you put out a quality piece of content and you manage to find your way into the top three on the SERP, then there's sort of a virtuous cycle with that continuing to maintain that stature. And even if a better capitalized content creator with a higher domain ranking overall comes in and tries to eat your lunch, in a lot of cases, you're still going to be okay as the query volume for that term grows. For example, early on, we had, you know, we wrote a long form piece on what preferred equity real estate investing is. And that's a fairly esoteric concept. I think when we first put that out there, it was purely for the benefit of our existing users or our existing investors, I should say. And, you know, maybe 20 to 30 people a month were searching for that. And now that query volume is up around 800 to 1,000 a month. And we're still in the top one, two on that. You know, at this point, maybe Motley Fool or NerdWallet or whatever is writing articles on that stuff too, but we still maintain that position and we still pick up investors that way. So absolutely. As far as other channels, as I was saying, it really is important to move quickly and identify what works. And, you know, you're going to swing and miss that on a lot of these channels and a lot of these media types, a lot of these campaign types. But, you know, early on, we threw 
some budget at I don't know how many different concepts from a media and campaign type standpoint. This was back when you could identify a specific domain to target through Gmail ads. And that became, I think, our number one volume and efficiency channel for a long time. You know, with a product like ours, where we're targeting high net worth individuals, I think anyone, and I mean, I think the reputation of the channel has taken a hit in recent years, but at least in 2016, you would have assumed LinkedIn ads were going to be just absolutely gangbusters for an offering like ours. Turns out that wasn't the case. We actually saw some of our best efficiency, not only on Gmail ads, but also on Quora ads and Reddit ads, which I would have thought would not have been a sweet spot for us. That was fairly random, but the thesis of traction was that you should not carry your assumptions into developing a customer acquisition strategy. Much like investing, you want to diversify a set of options and just make sure you have a tracking plan in place and see what gives you the best bang for your buck and double down on it. And I want to build off that, right? Tracking and seeing what works. Now, you are selling you know, a product that requires tens of thousands of dollars from a customer. Anyone listening to this who does professional service, right? Say you're a lawyer or in our case, a marketing agency. It's a high ticket item for people to come in and buy or to use the service. Talk to me about how you approach tracking and attribution when there are so many you know, possible touch points for customers. Yeah, absolutely. It is critical in any business. I think it's really interesting in ours because our offering is not exactly a B2B play. We are marketing to and trying to attract individuals who are going to invest through us. And it's, it's definitely a, a persona-driven or a persona-driven marketing organization. It's a persona-driven sales cycle. But at the same time, it's not exactly a straight consumer product either. It's not a B2C play. It's not someone buying a pair of flip-flops that they're looking for and they have a specific idea of what they're looking for. There's a lot of research that goes into it. There are, in most cases, a number of touch points that it takes for someone not only to invest, but even in the first place to take the step of signing up for our platform. From an attribution standpoint, it is having a number of conversion events that you're tracking throughout the entire funnel. It is ensuring that you have impression tracking in place for as many of the top funnel campaigns and and ads that you're putting out there as possible. And it's having some tool for visualizing, okay, across all these touch points, which ones were most impactful as far as effectuating these conversion events? And can I marry that to the, the incremental cost of each of those touch points? What we do is we use a tool that was built specifically for B2B marketers. It's a small company out of Portland called LeadsRx. What they've been able to do for us is build a custom attribution model that really fits the idiosyncrasies of our funnel, of our conversion path. And so what we're doing is, is we're saying we want to assign more weight for every conversion to touch points that happened before someone signed up. In other words, we're spending more to get people into our funnel. From there, we're hitting them with nurture campaigns. We're doing a lot of classic B2B stuff. We're lead scoring. We're having our investor relations team reach out to people who are extra qualified, things like that. So in other words, we're assigning more weight to what got people in the door. And then we're assigning sort of extra weight to the touch points that happen right before the key bottom funnel conversion event, which is someone investing for the first time. So it's a weird, funky attribution model. So, you know, in summary, I would say really do your homework on what attribution 
tool what software is going to fit fit your conversion funnel best and then see if you can really consider what attribution model makes sense and in a lot of cases you know especially with a a kind of weird sales cycle like ours it's going to be an attribution model that is not first click it's not last click it's not even the classic u-shaped attribution model that you hear people talking about it might be a, a little weirder than that you, you said something really important there too, right? Which is like, well, well, one, for everyone listening, like you got to track stuff, get an attribution model in place. But two, you talked about how right before they make, you know, their, before their first investment, you've taken all this data and now you know that there's actually going to be some more actions from your company before they invest, right? We're going to mm-hmm. roll out the red carpet for lack of a better term for that customer. And yep. listeners, think about it like this, like your business, things don't have to be overcomplicated if your business isn't. So restaurants, for instance, when they're allowed to open up again, but uh, the show, The Profit, the guy goes and he says, hey, he asks people when they come in, he says, is it your first time here? If they say yes, he puts a different color napkin on their table. So everybody in the restaurant knows, oh, hey, that person is their first time here. They're about to make their first purchase. We need to treat them differently. And that mindset of like, oh, that is such a brick and mortar, basic, like, the most pr- preliminary, you know, thing and a very primary function of like it's an attribution model. They, okay, we know it's your first time. We're now going to actually treat you differently. But then taking that thinking and applying it to the data that we have that comes in massive sets online to say at what touch points should we be more caring? How can we make this experience better for customers? And in your case, you like nail on the head, right? Someone's about okay. They've gone through. They're sold. They're they're with you. They've signed up. Now it's time to like hook up the, the wire of the money over. It's like, all right, that's the big moment of truth. So how do we make that as comfortable as possible, right? And I think yeah. that that's just something for everyone listening to think about. I think that's exactly right. And also, I think the converse of that is, is worth spending time on too. If you get users, prospective customers into your CRM and you're hitting them with nurture campaigns or whatever other touch points, you want to roll out the red carpet and think about what's really you know, driving those folks further down the funnel, you also want to say, you know, which, which touch points do we have a preponderance of, of data for, a preponderance of interactions with that aren't really driving that advancement through the investor journey or through the funnel or whatever you will. And maybe we should revisit those. Maybe we are putting too many emails in front of people between days two and four after they sign up, whatever the case may be. Maybe we want to experiment with a different tone of voice here. You know, I think it's probably more relevant to a B2B play, but I think you always want to be constantly experimenting with those touch points that happen right after the user signs up and enters into your ecosystem. 100%. I love it. Now, Soren, I'm going to let you go. Thanks for coming on today. I appreciate it. Before I do though, let people know where they can find out more about Equity Multiple and connect with you online. Yeah, absolutely. Simple as it gets, www.equitymultiple.com. That's where you can find us. Feel free to, to look me up on Twitter. It's at Soren Godverson. Happy to hear from uh, any other marketers who, who want to touch shop anytime. Beautiful. And I will put links to both Soren's Twitter, Equity Multiple, and I will link to the book Traction as well in the show notes. So head over to the show notes page and you'll get all that information. Until next time, I'm your host, Jordan Shelton, and I'll see y'all later. Um, um, uh, um, um, um.